I'm fathery. I'm Starfleet Boy. I'm Brian. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 158th installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we have deep talks about Star Trek. And tonight we are talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 8, I Excretus, written by Ann Kim and directed by Kim Arndt. So the two Kims in collaboration on this one. But yeah, I'm joined by the delightful Starfleet boy, a.k.a. Boimtoberfest Miami. <laughs> There's a thing here that happens called Oktoberfest Miami. It's pretty awesome. It's not as big as the biggest Oktoberfest uh, uh, in the United States in Texas, but it's pretty good. And so in honor of this episode, which felt like a Boimtoberfest to me, uh i'm calling myself formtoberfest miami <laughs> and uh <laughs> we also have brian the truck spurt also here in austin <laughs> joining us yes. apparently not the computer expert because wow did i have a lot of problems <laughs> getting ready for this more for the show that's all we right needed rutherford you're here now <laughs> yeah. but yeah we're just going to each give kind of an opening statement discuss our kind of broad takeaway on this episode and then after that we'll go into the episode breakdown and talk about it in great detail Uh, but i'm just gonna quickly recap the episode by reading the official synopsis and then i'll kind of expand on that with spoilers the synopsis reads a consultant arrives on the uss cerritos to run drills that require the lower deckers and bridge crew to swap duties Uh, yeah so basically we get this jerk who is uh, not only making them run these drills, but also rigging the system so that uh, they score low. And uh, we have kind of the entire ship all faced with this one dilemma, and they're having to go through these cool simulations on uh, the holodeck. We're actually hollow pods, uh, so we get to see all kinds of, of neat different Star Trek scenarios. Uh, but at the end of the day, they outsmart their drill instructor and pass the tests. So... We'll just each uh, kind of say our broad thoughts on this episode. Uh, Starfleet Boy, why don't you uh, kick us off? What was your kind of general takeaway on this one? I think for this one, it's a it hits differently for me because it's probably one of the most zaniest and like uh, craziest and wildest episodes of of Star Trek, just period. Uh, <laughs> but in also in many ways, it's also one of the best ones. Like I just enjoyed every one of the gags, like from start to finish, not just like 
the you know not just the controversial one that everyone's talking about but <laughs> every single segment had like something really funny uh about star trek and just made me laugh like whether it was like you know really uh visceral type of stuff to like just really you know kind of cerebral kind of stuff and i i love this episode it's it's wild I, that's the only way i have to describe it <laughs> it's zany <laughs> That's interesting. I actually thought it was more tame and and reined in than the the show often is, <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll wait for uh for my thoughts. Uh, uh, Brian, what about you? Um, easily the best one of the season so far. Um, I mean, maybe what we've got one more, two more, two more, um, two more, and you know yeah. maybe they'll top it. Uh, I didn't quite like it as as much as the last couple uh, as some of the best of season one, but it was, it was right up there. Um, <clears throat> it was um, a hell of a lot of fun. I laughed hard. Um, I, I never felt, it never felt particularly predictable, at least not until the very end. Um, and uh, that was nice. Um, even if the rules of the game rules literally was were laid out pretty solidly at the beginning. Um, I guess as I was trying to figure out what is it about? And I mean, I guess there's some, some general sort of uh, don't be a, a, a dick to your employees thing kind of, and, and a, and a bit of the, your boss has it harder than you might think kind of anti, just general anti-classism um, going on there. It also seemed to have a very solid and strongly felt tests are uh, tests are dumb and pointless <laughs> kind of verve to it that uh that 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 just anything related to the, the tests themselves were just continually shown to be inherently useless uh for measuring any to get for for getting any sort of meaningful data out of and for a variety of reasons but th there doesn't seem to be any sort of acknowledgement that this was ever a good idea uh or or that there could be a version of this that was a good idea it kind of seems like no this this was just dumb piled on dumb piled on dumb on <laughs> here um and i certainly can see the uh I feel like sometimes this country in the educational department has gotten really, really obsessed with tests. Um, oh, yeah. And, and especially in our state, in Texas. Yes. Not, not to interrupt you, but yeah, like standardized testing has like really plagued us. Like I'm yeah. I'm in my uh, 30s and even, you know, me like going to school uh, was all geared towards standardized testing. And yeah, it's uh, I think gotten worse actually since then. Yeah tests don't make anybody smarter so filling up your your classroom time with tests doesn't actually provide any education whatsoever um if you're yeah i mean i got lucky and uh got i think i was the last generation that had just the act and the sat and like a couple of practice tests uh as the priorities but now there's like so many tests it's insane yeah so i can kind of see how this could be a commentary on today's society uh and the 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 mindset uh of of more of the administration often than the educators it's more of the people administering the schools systems that that seem to think that more tests make things better um so yeah i i enjoyed that i enjoyed them doing i, I don't know if star trek's ever really commented on on that or even the education systems 
as a whole. There's probably an exception I'm thinking of. There's probably some place where yeah. they've said something about uh, national education that I've missed. But yes, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun. I laughed. I love the in jokes uh, or Easter eggs or whatever, Gorn eggs, and uh, yeah, I'm quite 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 happy with it. Uh, I, I'd love to talk a little bit more later, Brian, because I, I took all of that, but uh, what you said about testing and uh, education and applied it to the corporate world, and it was like spot on. Okay, I, <laughs> I've, never managed kind of to, I've never managed to dip my foot into that aspect of the corporate world, so I, I, I'll, I, I don't know what it's like, but if it fits, it fits. If so. the shoe fit as a <laughs> Russian epic of Cinderella. Yes. <laughs> if shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> well, man, does everyone from pandro just really fucking suck like <laughs> we're we're two for two with just complete total assholes that yeah. they're just kind of annoying just how they're always like falling apart and like have weird little limbs that pop out of their it's re- bottom yeah. half like i don't know it's weird but uh i i kind of hate them I was hoping to glean insight on this character by watching uh, Bem uh, to just to see more, and I was just as baffled when I finished <laughs> that, like, if not more baffled. I was like, "Wow!" We'll talk more about. Really... It. I, think, I think that's my least favorite episode of the animated series, and I love the animated series. I rank it over Next Generation in my my ranking of the shows, but. I remember Bem was pretty grim, but <laughs> and I say that as somebody who does like a lot of the animated series, but I remember Bem was. Oh. <laughs> yeah, for me that's the bottom. That's the worst. Um, still better than your typical, you know, Next Generation season one, two, or seven episode, but uh, not not great. No. <laughs> In many ways, when we talk about that episode, it kind of mirrors this episode uh, structurally in an odd way because then you have the deity of Delta Theta 3 and all kinds of weird stuff happens. So, yeah, that's a crazy episode. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, beyond that, for me, um, I I also really loved this episode. These last three lower decks have just been knocking it out of the park. Um, Some some of the best Star Trek I've seen since... uh, I mean, I really liked Picard, but I got to go back to like season four of Enterprise or season seven of DS9 uh, for Star Trek. I've enjoyed this much. I, and I loved like those last three episodes we got in season one of Lower Decks. And then these last three we've gotten out of season two are, are just stellar. And then there's two more on the way. So I'm hoping that that just continues this trend. I would love for like this, what we're we're seeing here to be kind of the status quo. Um, more of this and less of what we got with Strange Energies at the opening of the season. But yeah, th- this episode was really cool. There was no A story or B story like there typically is. It was just the entire crew all dealing with the same obstacle. But the, the neat device of the holopods allowed them to kind of put different characters in different scenarios. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. You could kind of do like this cool uh, revisit of all these really neat star trek scenarios a lot of stuff that i love like wrath of khan or search for spock or the mirror universe so you know for me all of that stuff really resonated and uh they also like don't have like the tropey explanation of like the holodeck breaking down or something it actually like made sense while they're dealing with this it played better the second time when i realized all the tests were rigged and that's why some things were as ridiculous as they were in there it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah they were designed to be unwinnable uh so uh th- that that makes a lot more sense for some of those scenarios 
Um, but the the biggest highlights for me were definitely uh, Boimler being a badass, even though that gag at the end slightly cheapens it. But he, still, he he got his one hundred percent score. He did it. So I loved seeing that, and also I loved Mariner and Freeman getting to work together and be this cool yeah, mother cool. daughter duo. You know, they talked about in Strange Energies how they had worked together some, um, but it was all like telling us and not showing us. So I'm glad they actually showed us in this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It was it was great. I loved it. I can see how the writers would have been sitting around thinking, okay, we don't want to do anything in these hollow pods that we would have later done for a full length episode. So we have to be very careful that whatever we pick for these hollow tests is something that isn't going to trample on our possibilities because we don't want to say have a great idea for an episode, but then say, oh, that's kind of like that hollow pod thing we did before. So I can see how they'd, they'd have to, you know, think very carefully about stuff. And for the most part, they got around that by choosing stuff that was so hyper specific, specific that you would never do use it for a, uh, a, a, you would never wrap a full episode around that idea. Interesting and different types of storytelling. <laughs> well, I'm just going to go ahead and go into the episode breakdown. We're, we'll kind of take the episode uh, piece by piece and discuss it. But let's start with the opening and kind of the setup for our story. We uh, open with the satellite being repaired or relay station, I suppose. And we get the joke. They, they <laughs> given this away already in one of the trailers where they showed the, the ship go into warp without them. You know, they get, they get the uh, distress call. So that kind of made it, made it make more sense here than what they showed in the trailer. But yeah, they, they get abandoned on, on the satellite for six hours. And that starts the <laughs> conflict between Mariner and Freeman where Mariner says, you don't care about the lower deckers. We're all expendable to you. And they have the Pedronian, uh, I guess, consultant uh, is what they, they described her as in the synopsis. But yeah, the Pedronian Sherry Yin Yim, who I might call <laughs> Sherry Bing Bang for the rest of the show, because that's what Mariner called her at one point. But yeah, she, she comes onto the ship to uh, basically, you know, run these drills. And there's like this neat idea of the crew being flipped where the senior staff will assume the duties of the lower deckers and the lower deckers will assume the duties of the senior staff. Not quite sure how exactly that works when there's, you would imagine so many more lower deckers than senior staff on board the ship. But uh, I guess there's a, a way to make that work. So we get the, <laughs> the hollow pods where they, they run through these different scenarios. Um, but just this opening, like this concept, uh, what, what did y'all think about this initially, you know, watching this for the first time? It just occurred to me just now that Rutherford is really dropping the ball if he can't figure out a way to use the power supply from the satellite to keep the suits running for more than six hours. But, but, uh, um, but yeah, it was, it was fun uh, in the usual, I don't think you know, kind of definitely pushing into the, I don't think this would ever happen in a live action Star Trek way, uh, as far as them getting abandoned or, um, or a Star Trek. That's not a dedicated comedy. Cause you could do yeah, this in live action. Yes. Yeah, I was actually vibing with the whole, like, I kind of want to have a drill day. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> when I, when I initially saw it, I was like, this might not be a bad idea. It's like a cool way to test your crew. And like, uh, you know, just, Little mini Kobayashi Marus everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starfleet likes their uh, their weird um 
role playing scenario tests. tests. Yeah, yeah, like the psych yeah, test exactly. and stuff like that. Or Kobayashi, whatever. <laughs> yeah. The the satellite thing actually kind of disappointed me when I saw it in the trailer. I like rolled my eyes at like, oh yeah, they're just gonna be too stupid of of uh, a, a ship that they don't notice that they left six people behind. But when I saw it in context and was like, oh, there is like the distress call from the Bakersfield. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. There is something urgent. And then the explanation we got in Sick Bay, where Ransom said that Mariner uh, didn't check out the, the magnetic boots. So I guess like they weren't supposed to be over on the that relay station. I'm not really sure what the the whole story there is but oh, oh i can imagine that scenario in real life accidents like that happen you know like a ship yeah. departs leaves someone behind or you know, it was it wasn't it wasn't as outrageous as i thought it was when i saw the trailer so that's why i say this episode is kind of tame like a lot of the stuff in this episode felt believable to me for the star trek universe see i thought especially given the nature of the distress call that it was even more egregious because they they're stuck in a time loop. You could probably take a few years before you go rescue them. It, I mean, and it's just going to inconvenience them when they get out and discover that, you know, their their kids are all grown up. But um, so, you know, yes, you should get on it, but it doesn't have to be a, you know, burn out the engines to get there. You fly her apart. You know, you don't need that for this kind yeah. of crisis. Um, I also thought Freeman, apparently doesn't apologize at all um and the idea started that... to i feel like in that scene in sick base she starts to uh, like she starts to but then uh marriage mariner's just not having it you, like, you can't I, I you can't it, have her apologize here because that that diminishes your payoff at the end of the episode when they have like that's a true. big yeah, gift it, apology it just it just makes me dislike her more because she doesn't <laughs> I, I admittedly mariner has trouble apologizing apple doesn't fall far from the tree here but so there is at least some sort of thematic consistency but i was like really wow you would you should be leading with that i'm so sorry that should be the first words out of your mouth um i did think it was interesting they said magnetic boots instead of gravity boots because they missed a chance for an easter egg there a fairly obvious <laughs> one but i guess that's because in first contact they talk about magnetics i think or something when they stick to the hole uh um i also thought it was weird that there isn't a established protocol for departing the ship that that you know that logs things like that so that there's somebody on the bridge who knows who's off uh, knows who's off the ship at any given time or if it's a bunch of people at least knows there's a bunch of people off the ship there might be some truth to that california class uh, reputation there yeah <laughs> I, I guess who's the first officer the who's ransom, the ransom. Jack ransom. ransom. I, yeah, Jack it's really Ransom. Ransom's fault. It's not the captain's job to know about these little things. It's Ransom's job to take care of the crew, and it's the captain's job. And we've seen to him be negligent the... this whole season. I, I yeah. feel like kind it was Mariner's yeah. fault, though. Like she didn't, she didn't like <laughs> sign out that she was leaving. She the didn't ship. sign out the boots. I mean, there, surely there's got to be more to leaving the ship than signing out the boots. <laughs> do they do they like have a list where they list all the gear that's been signed out but not a list of who's off the yeah, ship it's when, the when you pull the environmental suit out of the locker yeah. when the boots disconnect yeah. that's when I they that's all, when they know that's how they track it that's say, how the computer tracks it yeah. i'll just say it's it, what's probably happening is it's like a systemic issue it's just like everyone in the cerritos just messes up so no one's actually yeah. turning on that system that's supposed to auto track life forms from the cerritos you know yeah. and, and auto beam them you know back to the ship in an emergency situation like all yeah. of that's not working because 
It's like the Cerritos crew set it up. So I, or, yeah, you know, I, I mean, we're starting to move into the territory of it might have been better if they failed the test. But <laughs> uh, uh, Speaking of the test, the drill and truck structure that is not Starfleet. Is that that that's my understanding? I think that's safe to say, although sometimes you're in Starfleet and you don't wear a uniform, like if you're Counselor Maglimo or Counselor Troy. So do other people besides like the therapists do that? Um, I mean, the counselors are kind of crew personnel stuff. So that's kind of what she's doing as well, I guess. But I think that question's answered in Ben in the in the uh, animated series one. Because he's like he's a commander, he has a rank, and but he's not he's, Starfleet. He's in the Pendronian military, like, so that's what I I assumed was going on here. That she's just like a consultant from the Pendronians, who like is supposed to be like really good at efficiency. And I guess Starfleet was like contracting out. Maybe we can get like these Pendronians to, to come see if they boost our efficiency. And it clearly isn't working because we'll find out that they're thinking of discontinuing this this whole gig that she has. How would you get to the point where you're having somebody who's never served in Starfleet judging whether or not crews are working, uh, or whether or not a crew is an efficient Starfleet crew or should be broken up? Because that, that happens weird. all the time. That happens all the time with like every job, every career field. They always bring in like these outside contractors who have no idea what the hell's going on, and and they like evaluate you and like grade you <laughs> and determine how good of a job you're doing when they don't even understand it do, do we really feel starfleet has run that poor, poorly not just on a sh- sur- on the cerritos but as a whole organization but they so. say that they're thinking about getting rid of the program because they don't like it so i, no, I right, love that line enough. of dialogue because it made it uh, for yeah, me it, it made all that work it like fit into place yeah. perfect i mean her running around and testing people okay but her being given the power to disband a whole ship strikes me as being <laughs> way too much power for an experimental program (laughs) i feel like they're kind of like the binars but for like uh for like um uh human resources type stuff like you know the federation outsources binars for like ship computer you know it stuff and so they and so they outsource outsource hr to like these guys i didn't feel like it was hr i felt like it was like efficiency all right, fine. The efficiency department, because Ben himself is try is like basically tasked with judging. Yeah, he was there Kirk, to like grade yeah, Kirk and Spock. Yeah, grade Kirk yeah. and Spock. So it's kind of like a. It kind of fits with like what they're doing. So the, the Pendrodians obviously have some type of like reputation. Contract. <laughs> they have a contract with, with a bad moral. Even though I, I I hate both the ones that we we met, but yeah, yeah, they're awful, awful people. They're awful persons. And, and it was fun for me to see like the cargo bay full with pretty much every character we've ever seen on the ship. Like I I recognize like so many people back in in the background. Like you see, uh, Maglimo and Kayshawn and Casey and Castro and Jennifer and uh, Winger. Uh, Bingston Jr., whatever his name is. Um, my boy. So, oh, the, uh, uh, that's what my is boy. it? Vindome, the Bolian. Vindome. Yeah, that's uh, right. The Cation, who I want his name to be Larry. His name should really, really be Larry. But, I mean, not Cation, Kazinti. I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, our Kazinti crewman. So I like, I like that. You know what's, what's cool about this picture is that, like, uh, nowadays the way they animate, like, a lot of these characters are all locked in somewhere, like, the way they look. All, we're just meeting the whole entire crew of Lord Lord X. All of these people could have stories that come to life in future episodes. They've already been sprinkling in new people 
uh, here and there. So this is kind of a cool cast photo yeah. of like the potential stories in Lord. Like X's, like Casey, cool. for example, he's been in the show since the very first episode. Yeah, uh, but he just didn't have anything significant to do until a couple weeks ago. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of neat looking characters in there. <laughs> These hollow pods. I mean, maybe this is new tech, but this, given how, whereas I, whereas I have this issue with how they don't have quarters for ever, all the lower deckers, it often, when you look at the schematics, holodecks take up so much space on a ship that relative that that you would ha- often have to probably schedule your holodeck time, you know, days in advance to get a slot uh, on a holodeck on a starship, because I'd expect they'd be pretty popular on long missions. And these pods seem to solve that entire problem. You can put a cargo bay and, and hol- and basically have, you know, 30 holodecks in one room. So I guess I'm going to put that down to new tech as opposed, and they didn't really have the ability to build these mi- micro holodecks until recently. Yeah. And, but, and they, uh, they are more limited than a full fledged holodeck. Cause we do see like, invisible walls as you call them in video games but yeah like some of the characters yeah. they're not allowed to like stray off the the given path um so it, it is it is a a miniaturized holodeck but it's also slightly limited or that could have been a, it could have been a result of the the tampering uh also and, and as was pointed out uh on my stream that it, it creates like a uh a, a, you know other picture of the event you're going through like it shows you the exterior of the enterprise blowing up and stuff so it's it works differently <laughs> i assume that was on the big screen that everyone was watching other people take the tests ah, I like that. uh but uh, but it is certainly a dramatic flair that does that somebody went to the trouble of creating <laughs> that didn't actually have to be there but <laughs> <laughs> the rank flipping uh, or whatever the, the the having the lower deckers do the the officer the senior officer jobs and vice versa. Um, we are to assume that that is part of the the uh, um, the rigging of the test. Yes, uh, possibly. Uh, it definitely caught Freeman off guard. She wasn't expecting that when Sherry Bingbang yeah. told her. Because it just seems absurd that we want to see how well this crew does its job. So we're going to make sure everyone's not doing their job and then test them. I'm like, even under the, even if you're pro test, this is a dumb idea. Who is running the ship under the M5 or something? That would be really funny. Uh, (laughs) Just plug in the M6. I mean, literally, if Starfleet is doing its job right then the lower deckers shouldn't be qualified to do the upper decker jobs because they they would have been promoted to those positions if they were qualified. So by definition, if things are working right, they must not be qualified for those jobs, so they should be failing them um, And if the system works the way it's supposed to. So yeah, this is... I can only assume this must be part of how she's screwing up the test to make sure everyone fails is because that just makes no sense from from a point of view of judging whether or not a starship can should be allowed to exist or a crew should be allowed to be exist if it if it was just a to test versatility fine but they're they're deciding whether or not the crews disbanded uh with this test and that you should be testing them on how they actually work you if, know uh... if, if for a test like that if Bing Bang was doing her, that is that what Mariner calls her? Bing Sherry Bing Bang, but Sherry Sherry Bing. Bing. if her Bing actual Bang name is job. Sherry Yen Yum, 
That's right. If, instead if of, she was instead doing of job, Ari Ben Baum, it's Shari Yen Yam. If she was doing her job right, she would have consulted the the publicly available like footage or or whatever level clearance she has footage of the Cerritos, and she would have seen that the lower deckers are constantly complaining that they could do the senior officers' jobs and stuff <laughs> like that. So she would have built it in in my mind as like an exercise to kind of like put them in their place a little bit if she was really doing her job seriously but she was obviously not doing her job seriously so i don't know if that's happening but yeah that's kind of a thing that in in the corporate culture world we we do experience like uh i like variations of this where it's like trying an it role when you're actually a administrator or something like that you know they like hop you around different departments to to get people to have empathy for the other departments. yeah or, or like the secret <laughs> boss thing like sometimes like they oh, do gosh. that where like they they do take someone secret boss so, kylo ren someone in <laughs> someone in charge <laughs> to uh, you know do a a more entry-level job but exactly let's talk about the drills themselves i'm just going to go over the drills that our our lower deckers go through and then we can talk about them um but uh we we get a few with mariner and we get multiple drills with her starting off with the mirror universe encounter <laughs> uh, which i thought she would do pretty well at you know i thought that she would be pretty good at uh pretending to be a, a evil <laughs> maniac and infiltrating the mirror universe but um not so much uh she uh didn't make it uh, too far on the mirror universe ship. Tindy does the medical ethics, <laughs> which was great. A very specific callback to the <laughs> next generation. And we'll talk about later, but yeah, the, the uh, ridiculousness here, like the Klingon, you know, who, who needs to die. He can't bear the shame of, of surviving his injury of hurting his back while picking up a peanut. And the, you know, the nurse is saying like, uh, Oh my God, he's going to live. There's nothing we can do to kill him. <laughs> I was like, that is crazy. Like life. when they said like the drills were, were rigged. I was like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense now. <laughs> time of life. That was the best part of that. Gag, was time, <laughs> time of, of life. life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got the the so old good. West planet uh, where, where Mariner also didn't do very well. Um, we had Rutherford uh, reenact Spock's sacrifice or attempt to reenact Spock's sacrifice in the Wrath of Khan, but he couldn't even get the the, the door open. To... I wanted this to last longer. This is, but it was awesome. The destruction of the Enterprise. It was very nice to see the old Constitution refit on screen again, looking very nice in that. And of course, uh, Boimler dealt with the the Borg for the entire episode. Uh, very very confidently says he's read everything about the Borg and. I like that even now that we see a, a Boimler who has grown as a Starfleet officer and has grown as a person, become more confident. He's still kind of his own worst enemy. We're here. It's, you know, he's obsessed with getting the perfect score. And yeah, if, again, talking about video games, if you've ever tried to get like that 100% clearance on a video game or, you know, unlock a, a specific trophy or achievement or whatever, he's basically achievement hunting. Uh, so yeah, he's got to do like every little side mission, get every bonus point, do it within the time limit, <laughs> so good. and he's just replaying the thing over and over and over again. Uh, I love that. That was just so fun. <laughs> Cover your eyes. The, the big one, yeah, the big one was the um, I guess the naked time thing where Mariner sees the crew turned into sex crazed maniacs, which really wasn't the all there was to it, and the naked time where the naked now the tng follow-up but no i know um it's true. yeah so mariner it's naked time mariner gets pretty <laughs> grossed out from some of the from some of the images the scene was so graphic and 
hard to bear for Mariner that she just uh, ejected herself out of the airlock and, <laughs> and basically like killed herself to get out of the simulator. So oh, wait. <laughs> that's how it ended on the Tsiolkovsky. That's exactly the same thing. Yes, that happened yes, I, I did appreciate that her way of failing was what happened to the the oh, yeah. I, yeah. I really did appreciate. Correction: the... They were blown out. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was that's what like aside from all the naked it's naked time stuff, uh that ending was just brilliance in my mind as far as like <laughs> like what happened on the Siokovsky? Oh it's <laughs> when, when I saw this I knew that some people I'm not gonna judge, but I knew that like some people that I know, some Star Trek fans I know, were not gonna react well to this. But it's pretty harmless i think like the way it's presented had like big impact because you know it's so like unexpected now to left field but i mean like <laughs> it was like we see like some side boob okay that's been a thing in star trek since the original series we see a bacchanalia this uh, is what a bacchanalia we, we see like would. some some guys's bare butts running around like okay like we saw like jacote's <laughs> butt cheeks in star trek voyager that's true we did we uh did. so oh you didn't sleep through that one <laughs> no, I <didn't> <laughs> imagine that. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, like, like we also like saw like full on like uh, Klingon nipples in uh, like mid sex during Star Trek Discovery. So it's like <laughs> it's fine. Like this all fits in the universe. I, if you want to talk about like like the future that Gene Roddenberry en- envisioned, like uh, l- listen to like G- listen to Ira Stephen Bear talk about Gene Roddenberry's pitch to him on what Captain's Holiday should have been like. Oh wow! Where he basically said like he wanted like naked people running around and like all kinds of people making out and like boys and girls making out with each other and then boy on boy action and girl on girl action like this was the future this Gene is... Roddenberry wanted y'all. No, no, this that, is he, his vision realized. It was also awesome. it was also what he wanted for the uh, for the phase two and they, they some of the artwork developed you know shows rec rooms with there were some naked crew members in the background making out and there was explicitly in the write ups and writers guide that there'd be nothing unusual about seeing a, a naked crew member or even crew members having sex. Uh, in the recreation, in the rec lounge, or something, yeah. um, and that was absolutely Roddenberry's. <laughs> I also feel like Starfleet's one of those organizations. They've got like all kinds of weird ships. They might have a whole naked ship where you have like instead of turbulence, <laughs> like wet slides or something. So, like where so instead of there, <laughs> instead of there being like an all all Vulcan ship, <laughs> like we know that there was. That oh, was the Intrepid, yeah. right? The Intrepid yes, was the all, yes, all Vulcan yes. ship. Um, there, so there's also like an all nudist ship. I hadn't thought yeah, of that one. There, I think there yeah, might be like nudist I mean, planets that have like yeah, really yeah, good like environmental sure. controls. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Totally in the realm of possibility. Now I believe I, that that could be a, a thing. <laughs> I I did feel it was really. I, I guess this is just a new facet of Mariner we have not encountered that she has got basically naked phobic. I mean, her reaction, she basically completely breaks down and is unable to process or problem solve just because she sees some naked people. Apparently, she, she, does, she doesn't want to live in the Roddenberry universe. It was, one, it was one specific thing that I think uh, that, like really did it to her. Uh, that, that was like later uh, when, when Boimler is oh, trying to talk about how like, Oh yeah, they they uh, they stuck implants up my, and she like cuts them off, and she's like, no ear, because like she doesn't want to be reminded of like the gaze that she got up his, you know what, up his wormhole. When she freaks out on the bridge, it's because she has a flashback to Shaxx, yeah, not Boimler. So 
uh it, it's 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 more than just one person it, it's it's she she's clearly got uh, you know a hang-up which is fine but it it is a little bit of a surprise uh uh but it, that, when uh, it was and, people she was attracted the- to like when it was uh jennifer and barnes <laughs> she was uh titillated yeah. by that I, I thought she didn't like the andorian girl she doesn't like her, but she's she's attracted to her. Yeah. It's like um, Maybe she's attracted to okay. her. Okay, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've had I've had that situation in my life. Uh, generally, once I don't like them, the attract any attraction I had vanishes. But uh, anyways, fathery. Uh, aside from all that, this is like the craziest kind of scene we've ever seen in any star trek this it's is not the yeah. craziest though. We, we see the we see all those frozen naked people in. No, but they're not. <laughs> moving around and 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 writhing and like imagine this in, I, in I live mean, action just like we basically this. did see that <laughs> imagine a, a klingon chick straddling a dude riding him with like a big close-up of her boobs right in front of the camera yeah yeah i, I, <laughs> I feel like this this tops the mocklin thing on um the the gag that they did on the Orville. I don't, I don't watch that show, way, so I don't yeah, know what yeah. you're talking about. There, there's a gag on the Orville that I thought was like the wildest thing I'd ever seen in science fiction, and then Lordex did this, and I was like, yes, Lordex. <laughs> it feels a like the 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 future Roddenberry wanted, and yeah. b the it fits the data points we saw in the Next Generation. Uh, <laughs> Na- I, I can always get the titles mixed up, but whichever was the the naked the now thing. came second. Okay, the if, naked it, it fits it fits what we saw in the naked now. Um, in as much as this is what we can get away with showing on TV at the time, but they 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 pushed it and then implied that there was a lot more going on out of camera range. Um, and this I was kind of I don't see how this one was rigged. What was uh, I guess what was rigged about I, it? it? I just think happens. just probably the intensity of it. Like this isn't exactly uh, all there there was going on with. The naked time and the naked now. Like it was more of just like people were drunk. They acted like they were intoxicated. So I, I it wasn't like a, a full on orgy in in the bar. So I think I think they just made it like a little bit more like overwhelming. I have like a thesis or an argument. <laughs> I would think being chased by a topless uh, helmsman with a sword is going to be more intense than seeing some naked people making out on a bar. But... This is a different. Remember, this is a variant. So this is like not the naked, uh, the naked time. Even though it's called naked time, the scenario it's actually the naked now, like scenario because this is that variant virus that was making everyone horny and drunk uh, on Enterprise D because, like, Dr. Crusher couldn't control her feelings and there's, like, all all kinds of crazy stuff like this going on. And so I think that's what this is, like, meant to fully homage. But also, in a weird way, each of these segments kind of give the crew, like, like, even though it's, like, very, uh, I think as Jill had pointed out, like, in another chat, like, it's very shades of gray. It's, like, little flashbacks to previous things. This was, like, a perfect... If the computer really can recreate all the crew based on what we've seen and like how they'd react, this is like a perfect snapshot of the Cerritos crew's inhibitions and like what they would do in a, in a situation through just one lens, get granted, which is the sexual lens. But it's like a perfect snapshot of that in just like 
a few seconds and i love it because it's like oh this sheds a lot of light on like the the characters here especially boimler with that audacious move at the end what i thought was so funny was dr tiana like running around on all fours chasing a dude (laughs) (laughs) it was it's just a a funny visual because like her like eye level is like right at the guy's ass like chasing like right behind him and just just the absurdity of that and also at the same time when you see that scene you also have billups in the background who we suspect might be asexual uh now after we saw more on him last week and he's actually not engaging in any of the fun he is working on his pad you know probably like doing engineering stuff he's still nude but he's he's not he's not uh interested in engaging with any of the other people there so i thought that was a that was a clever little character detail these animators really think about this stuff (laughs) they really do and who knows he might be you know, uh, looking at a simulation that you know of the of the engines working at warp nine yeah. or something. Oh, that's that's, that's like, his sexuality. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like that might be what his thing is. I, I, I think I would have. I liked the, liked what they did. I think I would have left him in a uniform just to kind of highlight how something different's <laughs> going on in that corner of the picture. But you know, it's fine. They they did acknowledge it. They did work it in. All the tests, the, the 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 video of all the tests is apparently publicly posted so that the rest of the crew gets to watch this as well if they so desire. Yikes. <laughs> well, so they get to see themselves being matched up however the computer or or bing bang thought they should be matched up <laughs> i i can see how that would be perhaps a little disturbing <laughs> what about any of the other drills rutherford tindy the other mariner stuff any any thoughts on any of those before we move on i i like the the mental image I've built of Boimler in my head was exactly validated by Boimler's mission uh, or test because I feel like he's this guy who is incredibly book smart. And in the end, a holodeck is just a, a book test as far as he's concerned. He's actually really, really capable as long as A, he's studied and B, he's not afraid of getting hurt. If you put those two things there, he's suddenly a cosmic badass, equal, easily equal to Mary. Um, well, and yeah, and well just as determined to keep facing the the situation the challenge again and again and again even probably more than she would be um and that very much fits with the boy with the boimler i have in my mind and boimler probably actually spends a lot of time doing heroic stuff on the holodeck that really i don't know if they've explicitly stated that but it really feels like you know, that's something he, he has done. Um, and so, yeah, I really loved that he was just totally cool, totally chill and determined to to, you know, complete every side quest, as you put put it. That that was um, that was a lot of fun. He he practices like even meeting with the captain in the holodeck. He like, he oh, runs- yeah through any like situation. He runs through most situations in the holodeck. Yeah, he's less he's neurotic very- about it now. Um, But yeah, he's definitely, and Brian, I I recall you saying this, you know, from a a year ago. Um, But yeah, like, uh, if if he's prepared, he kicks ass. Like in um, Temporal Edicts, where he's able to do like all the little busy work jobs that everyone else was like, so overwhelmed with. Um, Yeah, Yeah. so uh, he, he is on top of his game whenever he is able to be on top of his game, you know, as long as yeah, he's done the, pretty... done the done the prep work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, the Mirror Universe simulation, why is it so inaccurate? It's clearly a, 
24th century ship, yet mm-hmm. it's the 23rd century empire it's aboard not, the ship. It's not the 23rd century. That's actually like the Mirror Universe logo. It it uh, comes from, well, I'll, I'll talk about it in the Gorneggs. But right. it's, it's from some of like the non-canon Mirror Universe work. Uh, actually oh, okay. lines, lines up uh, pretty well with it. All oh. right, so so it's a different mirror universe than the, the one TNG we are used to have seen universe. on all the TV episodes. That's what you're I'm saying? Guess. <laughs> no, no, it's it fits in with like the Deep Space Nine stuff too. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, I look forward to hearing how that fits because it doesn't look like that's happening in any mirror universe we've seen on television. Uh, so, as as far as I can tell, uh, at all. That segment was really funny. Also, like, uh, it had it had like uh, crazy stuff going on with Migley Moo in the you know in the um, Falconer uh, gear. <laughs> like, it's it's like actually what you would put on a Fal. Like, he's wearing like, you know, like basically what would uh, what I guess we would call a quote unquote gimp suit, but it's like what you actually would put on a Falcon's head when they're just like you know yeah. sitting. <laughs> on your arm and stuff like that so yeah it's like it's this some people compare this to mirror universe garrick when he was like mirror universe wharf had him like chained up and i was like no like this is not mirror universe garrick like this like that dude was like a prisoner this guy is like Chief Lundry, their transporter operator, he's doing some type of like weird sex stuff with Magli. Not, I shouldn't say weird. I don't want to judge. It, Assuming yeah, it that, they all consent to it, you know, mirror, it might not I'm not going to kink shame the mirror universe because uh, we'd be here all day if, if you know we're, we're going to get started with that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Good point. I do like the harness too. I mean, I kind of want to cosplay that <laughs> that outfit, like, it's really like make a giant falconer's helmet. Uh, the furry community would uh, again not judging anyone. I'm just saying, like the furry community would probably really enjoy that. You know, if you had like the a feathered um, green feathered suit with that harness on. Yeah, it might be. It might be great. <laughs> but anyways, the other gags in this are really funny too. But uh, I loved. Uh, I loved the uh, this thing, the Rutherford Billups uh, horny uh, torturing duo. Yeah, like, that's yeah, like, make, making fun of all the the mirror universe stuff we've seen. <laughs> like people are always getting tortured, and people are always horny. And oh, and they gave both of them beards. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so good. But I also thought I thought Mariner looked cool and sexy with the uh the outfit there's yes. you know, like uh some strong influences from uh, uhura from the original series yeah. but um i did they the computer says you can't get creative and to her and lo- shuts her down real quick when she tries to do a bit more than the basic mission but boimler gets very very creative throughout his thing both before and after he's trying to win it and the computer never shuts him down and says no that's not part of the mission <laughs> as far as we can tell and i yeah. thought that was a real disconnect that there's these cre- these creativity walls on everybody's test except boimler's shuri yin an- did say that she didn't have time yeah. to alter all the tests like she didn't get to the horses yeah. so it could be she didn't get to the borg either I, I'm going to say that that's what happened is that's probably like, fact, the so Borg one. Makes it's probably like a harder one. The Borg one is probably pretty challenging. I mean, they are the Borg, uh, you know, yeah. so it should be a hard one. <laughs> she probably didn't prioritize rigging that one. She was going after like the easier ones, making sure they became unwinnable. Yeah, yeah it's, it's true, especially but... if she was assigning Boimler, who 
perhaps in reports doesn't look like the most capable of officers. Did, but... did y'all think it was weird? I know like in animation, they don't show like the same level of details as what we see in live action. And, and the show, you know, it, it, it does a good job picking and choosing what details to emphasize. But I, I did notice that like, oh, the uh, Klingon that we see, like he doesn't have like the Klingon chest. And sometimes yeah. when we would see like a Klingon with no shirt on in, uh, in Star Trek, they have like, a, you know, they would actually put like prosthetics on the actors. Unless it was Lursa or Bator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, for obvious reasons, uh, <laughs> wanted to maintain a, a familiar human-looking um, appearance on that area of them. I I could chalk it up to maybe him being a half, some half other species. He's a, like... a half-sea, like Balana. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> or sure. <K-Lar. laughs> uh... <laughs> But he did have the well. You'll go over it in the Easter eggs, probably. I won't say. <laughs> I, I think the one I laughed at the most of these was the. Uh, I, I guess as far as just what the simulation was, was the, the you got to put the Klingon down one. That that one, <laughs> I laughed at harder. I think Boimler's was more funny, but it was because of how he reacted to it that made it funny. Whereas that the 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 the, the put the Klingon down one was just kind of an inherently funny idea. <laughs> Uh, Geek Filter is in our live audience, and uh, mm. he's pointing out that the Mirror Universe logo is from the IDW comics. And yes, I was gonna, I was gonna point that out. So that's why I think it's okay to like, you can kind of like headcanon it in there with some of the, uh, the uh, J.K. Woodward comics, and you know their explanation for the Starfleet, the Mirror, the Terran Empire Starfleet of the twenty fourth century that they show us there. So they they're basically saying that some version of those comics is now canon. At least that the show logo. Is canon. Well, it could so. just be a creation for the holodeck simulation. So it's okay. canon well, as okay. a holodeck simulation. But I yeah. I think probably someone knows that that symbol exists in the mirror universe in canon. Mm. <laughs> so, okay. It's a tricky, uh, tricky nebula to navigate. Any, anything <laughs> else on uh, on any of the drills? The one that was the Wrath of Khan scenario, the the good the of the many, the many. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, oh, I, I just caught that the uh, the the Enterprise graphic in this slide is anachronistic. It's they have a, it's the right Enterprise, kudogram. but yeah, but it's yeah, it's their Enterprise like enter, Star Trek Enterprise oh. type NX class graphics. They're um, not the the graphics from either the twenty third century or the twenty fourth. They kind of had the color scheme of the twenty fourth, but yeah. the design looks closer to the NX class graphics than yeah, anything else. Yeah, that's twenty second century, but with twenty fourth yeah. century colors on a twenty third century. Man, she was really messing up these programs when she was going in yeah. there. <laughs> I suppose, things. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect. But. Uh, somewhere on uh, Twitter, I wish I'd paid attention to this, but someone said it was a different operating system, not the L cars. And they pointed out it was like it was called like CMOS or C system C something I forget what it was but it's something that was probably mentioned in one of the technical manuals or something from the TOS film era. <laughs> I did like seeing a monster maroon in animation. Yeah, I think, I think I saw someone point out this is the first time we've had one of those on screen since flashback on Voyager. Oh wow! Yeah, that was what twenty five years ago. So been a hot minute. Yeah, for the Starfleet, the Starfleet uniform that was in service the longest and is the weirdest compared to all the others. <laughs> uh, but I think I think we will see some monster maroons in Picard season two. Yeah. <laughs> something's something's giving me a feeling that we'll we will see more of them uh, within the next few months. Yeah. 
I originally had comments about this scene as far as how it was portrayed, but then she said she rigged the system, and then I was like, okay, that actually, all my comments go away now that I know that the tr- the test is rigged. <laughs> it kind of so. just, it kind of does seem that Rutherford is just too dumb to get the door open. Because if you compare this to what Spock does, Spock doesn't have like that full engineering environmental suit the only thing that spock put on were the gloves and that's the thing that rutherford is missing it's like you needed the gloves bro that was it but well i think the test took the gloves away that's how it's rigged is that the gloves are there are no gloves in the area but oh and and we uh, see it we see the holodeck or i'm sorry the hollow pod create the suit around rutherford mm -hmm. And I think the same yeah. thing happens with uh, Mariner when she goes into the uh, the Old West. It kind of creates like the uh, the cowboy hat and bandana on her. So it's like in Enterprise, and these are the voyages, when Riker could just go on the holodeck and all of a sudden he could be in an XO-1 uniform. Uh, whereas, you right. know, most of the time when people are using a holographic recreation, they have to dress up themselves before they yeah. uh, go on board. So you can just beam clothes onto yourself as witnessed in Star Trek, the motion picture. (laughs) I would assume that like the Tricom badges and discovery in the 31st century would be so advanced that you could just be naked and like you put one of those on your chest and it just replicates the uniform around you. That's like Doctor Who technology there. (laughs) I guess it's a question of where would the, (laughs) where would the badge get the mass? It could certainly make a holographic outfit that, that we even feel real with force fields. This has a really good battery. It It just has like enough energy. It can convert that energy into matter. Well, literally the densest way you can store energy is in matter. That that's like the densest energy medium is matter and antimatter. So, uh, but it has a wireless it, it has maybe, a wireless energy connection. Yeah, yeah, it's it just could a be micro a zero, wormhole to pull energy yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, there else. could be some sort of yeah, it could be some zero point energy system that that's basically working on broadcast power uh or it just collects air and recombines it into into clothing. It has, little, it has so. many uh bizarre collectors that are at a tiny warp core. Uh, <laughs> well, it wouldn't need a warp core, but the Bassard collectors to collect the air and recom and then take it apart and put it together into clothing would be, be handy. So I liked it be better it. when they were called Ram Scoops, but no one calls them that anymore. Yeah, the, they're the Bizarre Ram Scoops back yeah. in the day. You know the Klingons <laughs> call them Ram Scoops. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Is that what Worf meant by ramming speed? Yes. <laughs> He's like, no, I just want to pick up some uh, hydrogen particles. I didn't mean like crash in the board ship. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we we get to see the lower deck trio without Boimler because he won't get out of the holopod. He's still trying to seek those achievements but we see everyone else they're you know celebrating in the ready room um with all the senior officer replicators tindy i guess being an alien and and orion had never had pesto before and she's really into it and but then we see the the lower deckers you know being like oh it's not that bad to sleep in a hallway and dr tiana sleeps like a a cat cuddled up with shacks apparently um so that relationship's more serious than i thought you know they're like cuddled up you know in front of their co-workers like that but Though they go on a Klingon encounter, uh, hollow pod drill, where we don't even see a Klingon. We instead see them have to stack <laughs> these crates. Well, I guess both Q and Jim Hadar, in addition to Klingons, are attacking the ship, uh, and they they can't get these these crates to stay stacked. 
but and then there's the joint mission, the senior staff and lower decker joint mission, the escape from space dock, where Captain Mariner has triggered her PTSD of naked shacks is triggered and she freaks it's out. Naked time. Uh, her, her mom starts teasing her about the uh, the horse riding lessons not paying off and. Uh, anyways, they they get in a fight. They they are unable to pilot the ship out of space dock, and they they do realize though that everyone you know doing each other's jobs. It's been like this great team building exercise that the uh, whole crew seems to be getting along and having fun. So they they go to uh, Shari Yen Yam to I guess thank her for bringing the the ship together and like oh I saw what you did there and, and we get the twist. She's like no I rigged everything. I'm gonna fail all of you. Your your ship will be uh, your crew will be. Uh, broken up and reassigned and the one guy still in the hollow pod is boimler who is still trying to get that 100 percent score he's finally gotten it but captain freeman tells him boimler you have to stay in there because as long as you stay in there she can't submit the final results so not only that the scenario with which he got it is insane he's, <laughs> he's got like, like he's got like every borg baby strapped to his person he's captured several drones to liberate them he's also given the uh the queen empathy yes he, he, and, like, he told them that he's like, taught the borg queen empathy. he defeated her in chess and taught her empathy oh yeah he defeated her in chess i forgot i forgot about that part that's like so good that he's like it's it, of course it's like the most perfect scenario <laughs> he's about to finish the mission and then this happens to him it's terrible it's so good let, let me ask you something about the the klingon encounter because it was the uh the voice actor phil lamar who does a ton of stuff um and he does some live uh action acting as well but he did the voice i recognized him doing the voice of this commander in the klingon encounter and the way he was animated he looked a lot like Admiral Freeman, I thought, like maybe a younger Admiral Freeman. Oh, interesting. Um, and it's the, it sounded like the same voice. He also plays Admiral Freeman. It, was, it sounded like the same voice he uses for him. So is this supposed to be like a younger, like, Commander Freeman? Like a Commander Freeman. Um, also, when it, it shows him, there's like a dude running on fire down the corridor behind him, which is just <laughs> some some visual humor. Uh <laughs> Uh, I was, they got oh, the little what? fire extinguisher from Star Trek Two, don't they? <laughs> oh my God, I missed that. I didn't have that in uh, my Gorn eggs, but yeah, man, that's on screen for like point four seven seconds, if that. Yeah, so that's uh, that's incredible. I mean, I'm wondering if it's just a coincidence because um, I would imagine that Freeman would say something. Well, no, they don't know about the admiral. They don't know that she. That's right. Uh, there's like a, a another secret, I think, which is. They probably have it on the down low that they're married. I don't think so. I mean, like they're both oh, named okay, Freeman. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, I mean, like one of them changed their last name to match the other oh, one, so right. it's probably that's pretty right, public. That's right. So yeah, it's a good point. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. Just like um, maybe it's just like an older simulation from back when he was a commander or something. Commander, but yeah. They they do make fun of like while why the crates are uh, not very practical in their shape. It's obviously because they're supposed to look futuristic and spacey, not be practical things that people actually have to work with. But the, the crates, a light if on you that. if you turned the crates ninety <laughs> degrees and stacked them that way, they would be far more stable. <laughs> I, not stable enough for the amount of shaking the ship's doing, but but more stable than they are in this in the the shacks con- configuration. So <laughs> they, they should have like really strong magnetism, like holding them 
together also like but whatever <laughs> some kind I of think, magnetic device <laughs> i think i've said it before but i've i've always wanted a scene where they they fight off the borg or the klingons or whoever and then and there's lots of ship spaceship acting and then afterwards like ah oh, we did it and then picard or whoever goes to their quarters and the door open and everything's a mess because all their stuff has been thrown all over the place during the fight and they're like ah not again <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucking borg or whatever you know and they start picking it up they they really need to do that gag because you never see that in the whole history of star trek where they walk I, I guess sort of in generations when the ship has crashed but that's kind of like a whole nother level of doing uh, of shaking so i that really want to see one that more th- that would have been two things in this episode that we've never seen in Star Trek had they done it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the episode of Star Trek I always wanted to write, uh, which is kind of it's kind of like a lower deckish type story, but I always wanted to write like a an episode from the point of view of your chief engineer character and just show like a whole day in the life of them where like they they've been working on some problem, they get to bed late, but they wake up the next morning bright and early to get back to work on some other problem. And then like the ship is having to go through all kinds of crazy stuff and we never see like the action on the bridge or get like the full impression of like what what's actually going on, but they're like they're dealing with like anomalies and engaging in battle and diplomacy and all this stuff. And things are just constantly breaking in engineering and you just spend like the whole episode is just like the engineer just scrambling around trying to keep like the the ship intact and the whole time you have like the captain being like i know it takes eight hours to do this but i need you to do it in 30 minutes and stuff like that (laughs) and then like them having like go like outside the ship in an environmental suit to like repair something you see like this crazy battle in the background i have no idea like the context of it just like stuff like that like that was that was always the idea of i i had and and so i i feel like in the klingon encounter it's it kind of does that when parenthesis i in our live audience he's pointing out that you see the commander in the the robin it's not just a robin hood outfit but it's like a it's like a, a military yes yeah, like a clown collar and a robin yeah. hood hat and then I don't, either military or he's going on a safari or something uh, it looks like a world war one military <laughs> world outfit war to me, one but maybe no, i am far from an expert so, so yeah but like we're not supposed to know why it's just a, that that's the the joke of it is you know the mystery it's really funny uh but i, I did like seeing freeman and mariner you know after like they 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 have a fight where like they're literally like slapping each other like uh over over the helm control but then when they're bonding at the bar when they're like oh yeah this sucks but oh look at like this good side effect this is actually a good thing and then when they're faced with the twist together they approach it from like the same front it's like a joint effort and then when the stakes increase where they're like oh no like we might like lose our ship we might break up our crew it's they they continue to work together from this point on till the end of the episode. And they've yeah. never shown that to this degree. Yeah. I I assume you enjoyed that one of the scenarios was very explicitly Star Trek three. Yeah, my favorite Star Trek movie. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought of you when I saw that. And and I and uh, I think it was a it was an interesting the, two of the scenarios. Yeah. What two? Were Star Trek three because the escape from Space Dock, uh that's like stealing the enterprise but with the cerritos they even have the excelsior yeah. but what was the, so other, what's one? the other one 
Oh, you. Oh, that's Star Trek Two. You're right. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> that's they show in clips Star Trek of it. Three. Also, yeah, they 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 True. rewatch it in Star Trek Three. <laughs> they rewatch it. Yeah, that's probably why I was. And, and if you Thank were in you Europe <laughs> and watched Star Trek Three, then you got to see even even more extended version of it, as I recall. And they, they had oh, a big wow. clip of it. No, that was for Star Trek Four. That was Star Trek Four. 4 you're that. right. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. But I I saw uh, I saw the death of Spock in the Star Trek Three opening before I saw it in the Star Trek Two uh, ending. So. <laughs> That was my introduction uh, to the death of Spock. Was the Star Trek Three recap? It, it's a, it's kind of a the death uh, of Spock was my introduction <laughs> to Star Trek. Full stop. <laughs> that was, I think, the first Star Trek I ever saw. But um, the I did think it was a very unusual toy choice for a test. Here, the the simulation tests how good are you at violating Starfleet's rules and culture to win. You have to be good at upsetting and pissing off the very people who decided what is and is not a good Starfleet officer. I was like, that is a really weird thing to pick for a test. Yeah, why would you train uh, people in Starfleet? Why would you? Why would you train your fleet personnel on how to steal a starship from your space dock <laughs> yeah <laughs> and how to ignore orders and <laughs> but you know sometimes starfleet gets taken over by conspiracy aliens or you know changeling really shapeshifters does. that it infiltrate like so maybe yeah. maybe there will come a time when you need that to happen yeah, so Sometimes. pick one of those as a scenario. Pick the little things with the, the bluegill been... aliens and the you spike know, in the I, back. I, I'm going to choose to believe that it was like Kirk or Scotty or like one of them uh, who like uh, introduced that training scenario into the curriculum. I love it. <laughs> it does sound like a Kirk thing. We need a scenario <laughs> where they get to uh, ignore admirals. <laughs> yeah. And so I can show off how great I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where cheating is part of the games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, the, the sim- that simulation did illustrate very nicely why you shouldn't have close family members as your subordinates. They totally botch it because of their interpersonal relationship issues. Uh, mm. I'm like, they, it absolutely re I don't know if that's what the writers were quite intending when they wrote it, but my goodness, does it at the same time that it's a simulation <laughs> where you're supposed to break the rules. It also kind of validates a rule or at least a guideline in, <laughs> that we've seen in Star Trek. Uh, and something that I believe is a rule in the U S military, at least. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we've seen this before where they their their relationship they self they sabotage each other cuz their relationship is so dysfunctional but yeah. uh in this particular case where they're discussing following the rules versus breaking the rules and stuff it it was it, it was even a stronger highlight <laughs> plus this time they really screwed up because of it they they didn't even get through the doors uh yeah. This season, they're although this season, I feel they get along more than they don't. So I feel like they are kind of coming to that. The, the, even their relationships well, we, evolve, which I'm really they talk appreciating about, about the show. At the beginning of Strange right. Energies, they talk about how they'd been working together, but they didn't show it to yeah. us. And then here, you know, the last uh, few minutes of this episode, the resolution stuff that we're about to talk about, they they show it there. Um, so I, I yeah. feel like this is the first episode that like really delivered on that. But again, that's why you have to show yeah. them, you know, fighting and being confrontational with each other, because that way you can have the payoff later. Yeah. 
why does Bing Bang just tell them that she's rigged the tests? <laughs> That's also consistent <laughs> what, what, with Bam. What was... That's also consistent with Bam, who blabbed his whole plan uh, <laughs> and and then felt bad about it. He was just like, he was like, I was sent to judge. Like he's acting all coy and yeah. weird, and Kirk and Spock couldn't figure it out. So again, this is like in, I feel like that's general, one of the brilliant things. Villains should learn to not <laughs> gloat. Yeah, nothing good. Come- I don't exactly. know, but like when I, I feel like they think that they're all like big badasses and they're untouchable when they do it. <laughs> but 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 they, they Freeman could go and send a report, and there could be an investigation, and there's programming alterations to be studied. And she doesn't. It's not like she's deleted all the programs and stuff, so that they have nothing, no place to search for her tampering. <laughs> it's all still running in the same cargo bay. It's it's right there. Yeah. You know, she hasn't left the ship yet, so she's. It just seems like you know, as soon as she admits it, it's it should be all over one way or the other, even if she's too stupid to realize it. Uh, and again, if she's that dumb, why did she, how did she get this job in the first place? If she's that big of an idiot, but yeah, I did have a similar thought about that. Um, I think you just have to roll with it to to move the story along. Hashtag roll with it. I'm just. I guess they that. they could have had they could have had uh, Mariner and. Freeman discover that it was all rigged yeah. through some other means yeah. or something. Yeah, that, that would have made them look smarter too yeah. if they figured it out on their own. Rather but it would have than, taken up oh. more screen time. So, also, I think this is like, I'll just say that like in a normal on an, on like a capital ship, uh, it might take like more to put you in crisis mode, and uh, but on a ship like this, something like this may have put Freeman in crisis mode, and she's like, you know acting irrationally which might serve you like in a real conflict but here it's like she's like well you know i know i she's just afraid of that result getting sent to starfleet so she doesn't want that other so you think you think she's she's less capable in this episode because i actually think like she's the most capable she's just think no, 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 I think her. it's her. I think it's her freaking out that like if it gets auto sent to Starfleet and the decommission process gets started, she's gonna have to like explain everything and do paperwork. If she can avoid like that part of it of like having to file a counter, you know, like a counter report to like prevent the, you know, to like do all that, she's like, let me just get this over and done with. So she's like, <laughs> she's like, let's no Boimler, don't let the thing end. So the results can't be auto sent. <laughs> and I'm going to take this woman on like a joyride and like, you know, make her change the results so that when Boimler does finish and it gets auto sent, there's like no paperwork for me to do later. That's what I mean by crisis. Okay. Mode. She's like dreading um, the paperwork. I don't know if that's, do if that's that <laughs> worth going into crisis mode over or not. But, 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 I'm telling you, it's a, it's a California class ship it's a different kind of crisis mode let's talk about this, this resolution because i i really like <laughs> i loved the little meta joke that she said most star well, the federation don't even know cerritos class starships exist the california which is class. like this california, california class yeah, like I that, said cerritos it's really. this wonderful idea that we're just wedging this into continuity and we're it, it's not really referenced yeah. outside of that and i really although that uh, a little a little bird has told me that there will be a lower decks acknowledgement on screen in Star Trek Picard. Yeah, oh, I, I wow. figured it was only inevitable. That. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I'd lo- I can't wait to see what that is. Uh, I I love this moment where Mariner says "real captain" on deck, and she's kind of, you know, like <laughs> willingly like giving the captain's chair back to her mom because they are uh, on the same 
same side now going against uh shari uh yin yum or bing bang or whatever we're calling her at this point but <laughs> but yeah when they they obviously are like are all in on it and we'll have the revelation later that there is some trickery going on here but i guess the crystalline entities aren't as extinct as we thought they were there's a, a whole bunch of them or maybe this is all right. simulated i don't know but yeah, they they uh try to Put the ship in dangerous situations, including encountering a crystalline entity that's feeding off unstable nebula radiation. There's some transphasic energy shaking the ship and and shaking our uh, Sherry Yin, uh, Ying Yang. I already forgot the right way to say her name. I'm just going to go with Bing Bing. Uh, but shaking her apart. Uh, we, we see a, a black hole and there's time quakes and uh, we get some uh, cool distortion. That's a very specific callback. And... Uh, eventually, they do con- convince uh, her to change the score, give the Cerritos crew a 100% passing score. And so everything's all taken care of. Uh, they've won, except one last thing. Boimler is still stuck in the hollow pod where he's uh, encountering the Borg Queen. And we get this nice guest star uh, appearance, or not appearance, but uh, voice performance from Alice Krie- I hear some people say her name Krieger. Oh, it might be that might be correct, actually. I mean, she's South African, I think. So I don't know if that's like uh, I have to a go Dutch back and pronunciation to... or something. But there's a podcast Trek Air Prize did with a new yeah. Leader, and um, says it we correctly we need to hear how she says so. it, but but yeah, it was yeah. she says it rather. I said, is I mean... she Starfleet royalty? Yes, <laughs> or I'm sorry, Star Trek royalty. Star Trek. Okay. She's Star Trek royalty. Well, she has a queen, uh, Alice Krieger Krieger. Yeah, and she's literally the word queen. Uh, she's the first one in my heart. I love them all, but she's, she's Oh yeah, yeah, she's she's great. Uh, her she just has like yeah. such menace in her voice and I don't know like she sounded older or maybe just like they recorded off of the phone or something, but I I I thought that actually worked that, that it had kind of like this a little bit more like a distorted uh effect or like a maybe like a little aged or something. Uh, I I think it actually worked for how weird the Borg Queen is supposed to be, especially in animation where it's hard to convey the uh, optical weirdness that the uh, wonderful Michael Westmore makeup did in Star Trek First Contact. Um, but, but yeah, you like, I think Susanna Thompson was probably a good board queen. I think she's a lovely woman. I had a very strong awakening as a child when I saw her make out with Dax on, on deep space nine. Um, <laughs> and, right. and she was, she was a good board <laughs> queen had too, an awakening. Wow. but, um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that Alice Krieg just has, has that, uh, secret sauce to the, to the board queen that just like that, that, that weird, uh, I don't know, like danger. Like it just, it just makes me have like flashbacks to being in the theater in 1996 and just being so weirded out at data, being so worried about like him being tortured. And he's kind of like, Data's kind of into it, kind of like, oh, like the sexy machine lady, but she's kind of also like freakishly unsexy and, and robotic and alien and strange and just like, what the hell's going on? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I think that that was a, a really cool uh, catch for Lord X to bring back that legacy character with that legacy actor attached. I also I had an awakening when I saw her for the first time as the board queen as well. Uh. I, I must. But it conf- only lasted point zero four five seven seconds. <laughs> I, I must confess, I was, 
<laughs> I was sitting there watching in the original first contact saying, what bullshit is this? Poor guard sexy. <laughs> you're messing. You're doing it wrong. But I, this cranky fan hater yeah, I get that. at that point in my life. I get that. I just love the weirdness. And that's what like this like collective of like alien species is simulated that like it would want to have like that part of its personality would want to like manifest like that. I just I just love how weird of an idea that is. I like how she didn't recognize that Boimler is human. <laughs> like because his, like, his skin was too unhealthy. Skin was too yeah. unhealthy. He's just like you need to drink more water. Oh, and this, this is where they actually get the name of the episode. So, so I did yeah. a good job avoiding spoilers. I did. I ac- accidentally saw like the picture of a Mariner in the cowboy hat a couple of days ago. But other than that, I didn't know anything about the episode. I didn't know the name of it. Until I saw the name actually on screen when it said I excrete us. And I did kind of think about like, I wonder what that's supposed to mean. And I forgot about it. And then here, when when Boimler's like, there is no Boimler. I am excretus of Borg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Obviously like like Lacutus. Yeah. yeah. I did wonder everyone else's test very clearly once you get past a certain point of screwing up, it just says failed. And it's over. And this this Boimler went well into the past any sort of common sense failure point. And yet the thing kept running. And Yeah, he was, was only at 8% at the end of it. Even after being assimilated, he was still at 8%. <laughs> I have a theory on that, which is... It was so compelling that the computer itself didn't want to turn it off. Like it was just like and the computer was like, I have to see how this. Maybe ends. Like, maybe he was so um, he was so <laughs> capable and badass that 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 runabout that we saw rescue him in one of the simulation attempts. Maybe like before he was assimilated, he had still like sent a message to them, and there's like a chance they might show up and unassimilate him. Uh, so it, it had it had to go as long as like that chance existed. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I guess, I'm, uh, I'm could be really true, I, reaching I for that. that but. Yeah, I, I think I would have preferred a quick moment where he does a bit of Kirk Fu verbal trickery to to get the computer to keep running. Like there, he's about to get assimilated, and then he like you know calls Mariner and says, "Can I stop this now?" And they're like, <laughs> "No, you got to keep it going." He's like, "All right, computer command override." something something continue program you know so that he's for it, it, that's why it doesn't stop is he, he overrides like he I, disables the safety but I, I love the visual i love yeah. i love the yeah. visual of borg boimler and just the yeah. the the, yeah, the idea that like you know we kind of forget about it it's all off screen and then when we cut back to it it's i am excretus of borg i don't know that's it, it's too funny to like to, to pass up on uh, oh no I, I totally think so... they should have gone there i just felt like a slight bit of line or two explaining why it didn't the game the trap why the test didn't abort and just say get you know game over on him was was would have been nice i guess uh i'm i'm gonna go with the uh with father's theory i like that that he set something in motion that the computer (laughs) couldn't like couldn't like end for there was still a chance he could win therefore the computer wouldn't end it until there were you know yeah i suppose that's that it makes some sort of sense it it (laughs) makes as much sense as my idea that he would have the codes necessary to override the oh true the system i mean he's a very good holodecker boy like he's he is very adept at holodecking he he likes to likes to use the holodeck um you know we saw that in season one uh we we end on that that scene with 
the captain and the rest of the senior officers giving the new replicator to the the lower yeah. deckers uh i guess to like thank them for like uh you know having to put up with <laughs> shittier conditions and hard work and uh tindy is all excited uh we get pesto uh the reaction yeah. <laughs> from her um <laughs> so hard over and, that. And they also they also established that uh, sh- uh sherry uh yin yam quit uh and then we get that line of dialogue feels good ruining a jerk's career so uh, I'm I'm glad to know that you know no one else in Starfleet will have to deal with her shenanigans. But yeah, what what do y'all think of this uh, this replicator gift ending? I I still don't see why the replicator pa- programs would be different for lower deckers yeah. than upper deckers. It's the same computer that it's pulling information from. Like, you would really smaller? have to go out of your way to to change things so that it would be different for people. Because uh, it's I, but it, it I just have a weird theory about it okay let's hear it because i I can't (laughs) there's also the same kind of like uh segregation of food rations in uh, picard later so like i think the more understrained the federation gets like the more they start like giving like kind of separating like you know what kind of food like the majority get versus maybe officers i don't know something like that but it makes sense in a weird it doesn't though way. It, it, like, it, it didn't make it sense on picard really either unless you take the uh the explanation that, that shaka said they came up with with uh hanel Culpepper directed that i guess but yeah, yeah the the idea that they came up with was that they had just recently expanded the the mars setup to increase uh the the work they were doing for the the ships for the romulan rescue and they uh, just in- installed like the the cheap, simple replicators, and the good ones hadn't been set up yet. Yeah, mm. but that doesn't work. That works for Picard. That doesn't work for here on the Cerritos. When they said like you can get now, you can get more than one slice of pizza at a time. I thought like, oh well, maybe right. this replicator is larger, and therefore right. it, you know it's able to make like a little bit more complicated of yeah. patterns, I guess. But then they say like, no, it's like the senior officer codes. The coding is different. Codes. It's like it's the software, oh, okay. not the hardware. So I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Why would the software be different? Yeah, why would you? You literally had somebody go and spend a bunch of time and effort creating separate software for the lower deckers when you could have used the same software and got on with your day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was weird. Um, well, I did want to say with the whole uh, black hole sequence uh, earlier, I love the instructor hiding her head behind her body. That w- when, when <laughs> that everything's funny. going crazy, the the instructor's head detaches and hides behind her body, peeking out over her neck. And I was like, That's an amazing. old uh, Pendronian <laughs> technique, I'm and, sure. And then, of course, we have a uh, the, t- the 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 best Easter eggs all out of all are motion picture Easter eggs. <laughs> of course, I yes. I adored the fact that we got a reference to my second favorite Star Trek film. So the uh, it, uh, the character Bem, um, he's what's known as like Spock calls him like a colony. He's a colony uh, creature. A colony li- creature, yeah. And so that's interesting. Uh, he he has to like he decides his punishment is to like uh you know he, he wanted the self-destruct like, to not, yeah. yeah and i wanted them too also i was like <laughs> do it <laughs> do it i thought of that like she's like kind of losing herself and falling apart and it's like it reminded me of that too i thought this, <laughs> i like i like these little callbacks to to that episode that would have been a dark <laughs> ending but they could have had her uh, when her plan fells at the end they could have had her decide to just uh Disintegrate. separate yeah, that would have been too dark if if their actions are responsible for her suicide though 
So I'm glad they avoided on, that. Uh, it was like a, yeah, it would have been a weird turn on the on the on this take. It would have been a weird icing. If, if they're going to they do, do try to avoid death, killing people. Yeah. The, yeah, the they, only they, they do have the only time There's we saw death used as a joke in Lower Decks was in a Magato Gamato with the Tellerite. And I'm okay with it there because they showed that that dude was an idiot. He was there with the Mugatos through his own actions. The crew had nothing to do with it. And he got himself killed. They had zero responsibility or influence on like causing that death. They just happened to be there and at the right time to witness it. So that... That works, but yeah, here if it was something like they did, like I wouldn't have wanted it. Even though I kind of hate yeah. Pendronians. <laughs> I I did like the last scene where they they seem to deliberately homage or riff on the old TOS thing of ending on a joke that is perhaps oh, yeah. not nearly as funny as it as it as everyone thinks it is. <laughs> like, oh, we have to end on a joke. This is a bad joke. I don't care. It has to be the ending. And then they have <laughs> Boimler slip in that little line about they took everything I was. <laughs> Which is also credit. though. <laughs> It's so sad too because it probably felt that way. Yeah, for if, he, if he actually went through anywhere near that level of trauma, uh, then I that, that makes me uh, want to take off some some points from this episode because I that's uh, that's pretty extreme. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if the the joke is is worth it. Like I said at the top of the the podcast, to me it does kind of uh, slightly diminish. Boimler's a uh, big victory, but I, I I think it doesn't completely tarnish it. I still buy the the big badass moments. The fact that we did get to see him do that one hundred percent score that he did achieve it, like we know he did it, he knows he did it. That's good enough for me. Yeah, it's yeah. cute when like at the end he's like asking about the score and ten, it's it, Teddy's like, no, you got it. Yeah. You know, she's oh like, yeah, then, then he's just like, yeah. hit me again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I I, I kind of wish they had stressed the point that he could have quit the test anytime he wanted, but he's taking one for the team and putting up with all of this, you know, made it made, made, tied it more directly. The way it's on mm. screen, it kind of feels like the program just gets away from him and gr starts grinding him up and he has no choice on the matter. And I think it would have been more cool if he was consensually saying, no, I'm not going to say end program. I'm not going to say end program. I'm yeah. not going to say end program. Ah, that right, hurts. Right <laughs> as they're uh, shoving the implants into his yeah, ear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like study ill. Uh, any any uh, additional uh, thoughts on this episode before we uh, move on to the Gorn eggs? I do say every week that this is my favorite episode, but not only is this my favorite episode, honestly, this is my favorite episode of both seasons. I love oh. <laughs> this episode. Like it's like it's like one of the best episodes of Lower Decks. But you kind of have to go through a lot to get to this episode. I feel like it's a, it's a reward episode. If you yeah, know. it it, it uh, <laughs> stands on the shoulders of things they've built in earlier episodes. Yeah. Yeah. In other shows included. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. In other shows. Uh, uh, good Lord, does it. You know, lower, I'm liking Lower Decks so much that it's at the the risk of possibly usurping Star Trek The Next Generation and becoming my fourth favorite Star Trek show. But wow. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can do that when so much of Lower Decks is built on top of The Next Generation, among other shows. Um, yeah, you got to give so, props. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's very and I think that's fine. I think there's nothing wrong with it doing that, but it certainly depends on that 55-year uh, history and foundation. Yeah. 
there's just like i think there's just something also that the creatives of the show should be immensely proud because no matter like what side of like you know decency you're on uh like they're doing things that are like outrageous and crazy and that have never been done on star trek but in a star trek way like this is like the most star trek kind of way i don't know how else to describe it how about we describe it as this show does boldly go it does it does boldly go i will 100 percent for that it 100 percent boldly goes it's Um, awesome i i think for my final thought i will say I am very impressed that they did an entire story about Starfleet tests that involve no-win scenarios. And there is, as far as I could tell, only one very minor (laughs) blink-and-you'll-miss-it Kobayashi Maru gag in this entire episode, where you'd kind (laughs) of think that that would be at least one big in-your-face Kobayashi Maru joke somewhere. But I didn't notice it if there was. So. A true Easter egg is hard to find. <laughs> it's almost like the Easter egg is that there's not the j- obvious joke. The obvious joke is not there. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Easter eggs, let's go ahead and talk about our our Easter eggs in jokes and continuity connections in a section of the show mm-hmm. we like to call the Gorn eggs. These are all the ones that uh, I found that I thought were worthy of remark. We get that distress call to the Bakersfield. Uh, a ship stuck in a causality loop. Um, you know, that's probably a reference to the time loop in the episode of Next Generation Cause and Effect. Also, Bakersfield, we can assume, is a California-class ship named after Bakersfield, California. And uh, the relay station that they go to uh, looks a lot like Relay Station 47, my favorite relay station. We saw in the Next Generation episode, uh, Aquiel. Uh, also... The Bakersfield is stuck in a causality loop, so that's probably a callback to the time loop in cause and effect. Uh, That's probably the most famous time loop in in Star Trek, the Next Generation episode, Cause and Effect. (laughs) The lower deckers are beamed back from the relay station. They're given, like, these shiny metallic blankets, which are a thing in Star Trek. There's, like, shiny blankets in sickbay. I've never seen this exact pattern, even though it looks super specific. I couldn't find it anywhere in anything I looked at, but... If anyone has spotted this pattern in anything in Star Trek, please let me know because I can't find it. It did look really specific, though. And like I said, there are those shiny blankets. Uh, our our character, uh, Sherry uh, Yin Yelm, is a Pendronian, like we've been talking about all <laughs> along. Our old uh, friend, Ari Ben Belm, who was in the animated series episode, <laughs> series. Belm, written by David Gerald, creator of, of Triples. He also created Belm. You know, interestingly enough, he originally envisioned this as a live-action episode. It would have been an original series episode with a little person standing on the back of uh, a larger person, and that's how they would split apart. But yeah, that was so weird to me seeing that that character split apart in the animated series. He could do more than three parts. Like he could send like his his arms flying off, and it's not like he's made up of like many smaller creatures. Yeah. The names of the drills. Uh, there's a bunch of callbacks to movies episodes. There is a uh, like Brian said, Lincoln, you you miss it. Kobayashi Maru, uh, drill that's listed on the board. We also have Time Trap, uh, that's an animated series episode. Uh, Triple Troubles, obviously Triple Tribbles from Q to Q. Sounds like it would have been a Q episode. Uh, <laughs> we saw the Borg Encounter, Cause and Effect. 
Uh, I'm not going to do the cause and effect thing again. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Natural selection, evolution, survival of the fittest, chain of command, hero worship, uh, carbon-based units. That's got to be the motion picture. Naked time, of course. Uh, Well rescue has got to be Star Trek IV. Triple infestation, extreme engineering, (laughs) teleportation, death tag, medical ethics. That's a callback. That was the Tindy one, callback to the Next Generation episode, Ethics. There was a Escape the Void. Uh, it might have been like the, That's the, the best Void for, for, for Bingston. From, uh, yeah, yeah, Bingston Jr. is doing that one. Uh, the, the the Good of the Mini was the Rutherford one. Uh, Triple Troubles, Naked Time. Uh, also, there was uh, uh, one called Time Loop. Uh, that was probably in reference to the Next Generation episode, Cause and Effect. That's like, I think, like the most famous Time Loop in all of Star Trek. <laughs> We get more crew member names too, which is awesome. Yeah, we got to see like uh, the last name for Jennifer is actually uh, Sharian or Sharian, uh, and yeah, Sharian. The character that we see with the uh, the turban, the Sheik, uh, his last name is Arjun. I don't I don't know if we knew that before, but yes, yeah, so that was cool to establish some of that. Also, the escape from space dock, obviously, uh, like we mentioned before, my favorite Star Trek movie, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. <laughs> the poster's awesome. The uh, the poster art. <laughs> the officer who says "Move it along, lower decks" to the senior officers when they're told that they're going to have the lower deck assignments. Uh, that also voiced by Phil Lamar, but that same character said, "Move it along, lower decks" to Tindy when she first arrived on the USS <laughs> Cerritos arrived, yeah. in the first episode of the show. Right. And then in the the drills that our principal characters do, you know, we see a, a bunch of homage stuff uh, in the mirror universe. We have uh, the things we, t- we talked about before, but, you know, clearly uh, inspired by the original series style uniforms, except the department colors are switched. So, you know, Mariner being in command, she still has red like Uhura and even has the little gold armband thing that Uhura had. The mirror universe logo, as I think Geek Filter pointed out earlier, that is the... That that Terran Empire emblem that is what has been used in the IDW comics recently, and you know their explana- explanation is that the Terran Empire still exists during the time of Deep Space Nine and those later Mirror Universe shows. It's just that it's so small; it's kind of just around like the Soul System and a few other star systems. And that the Terran slaves that are off on Terok Nor, they're told that oh yeah, the entire Terran Empire has been burnt to the ground; it doesn't exist. Kind of like how like the Japanese would tell American POWs in World War II, like oh yeah, we've already like conquered America; like all your cities are destroyed and stuff kind of like that psychological warfare thing uh Mm. i actually talked to the the artist jk woodward uh about this and he said like that was like their idea there and so uh this version of the terran empire uh starfleet does fit into the stuff that they, they were doing in that comic book continuity so um it might be the same uh, the same type of thinking went into this. They obviously someone read those comics if they got the the emblem from it. Yeah. Oh, and I I just I just wanted to throw in there that Mariner does a double fist punch because that's my favorite <laughs> Star Trek fight move ever. <laughs> uh, did, your favorite Kirk. Did y'all catch that shriek from Invasion of the Body Snatchers that Boimler does? <laughs> no, I had to. I saw it and then I realized it, but I didn't catch it watch on first yeah, watch it, it would have been pretty weird <laughs> if that was real but yeah, I, I can buy it in the holopod simulation and then of course the agonizer <laughs> is a very accurate representation of the original series agonizer yeah. so happy to see that um i mentioned the klingon medical scenario that was all based on the next generation episode ethics where Worf broke his back and had a 
uh, ceremonial dagger that was would have been used in a ritual suicide. That was the Hegbat ritual suicide, not to be confused with the Mok Tavor ritual suicide who we later see in oh, the, the DS9 ones. episode Sons of Moog. So yeah, Klingons have different ritual suicides and different ceremonial blades that they use for their different ritual suicides. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's fascinating. Mariner's uh, Old West Planet was based on the original series episode Spectre of the Gun, where we see a very similar looking <laughs> Old West Planet. Uh, the Good of the Many, as we mentioned, was from the Wrath of Khan. And the, the Borg encounter was, was full of familiar Borg stuff. We have that whole, uh, we are the Borg, uh, you, you will be assimilated, all of that stuff. We have the drawer full of babies. Uh, Boimler having to take the babies with them. That's even kind of an acknowledgement of, of what happens in Star Trek Voyager. And there's the escape sphere, like the one that we saw in Star Trek First Contact, even though the, I think the one Boimler used was much, much smaller and and of course the, the inclusion of, of the queen and her having boimler strapped on that table and <laughs> blowing on him like uh like she did with with poor data in star poor trek data. first contact and then of course naked time references the original series episode naked time we have the same graffiti love mankind and sinner right. repent on the walls uh also uh if you didn't notice it Steve Stevens is riding uh, Ransom like a horse, saying, like, I don't know where my body ends and yours begins or something like that. <laughs> but if you again. look into his hand and see what he's actually spanking Ransom with, it's a Horgon. <laughs> First scene in the episode, Captain's Holiday. Uh, we mentioned that the commander in the Klingon encounter scenario was wearing the Robin Hood hat. So that ties into the episode Cupid, where, where Q is also doing weird stuff and making people dress up as Robin Hood and the crystalline entity. Uh, that was something that I guess they first mentioned in the episode data lore, next generation, mm -hmm. but we don't see it until Silicon avatar, right? Is the name of it. Season five. No, what? No, it's, isn't it? It's at the end of a uh, data. Oh lore. yeah. It's, it isn't the end of data yeah, lore, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. 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 And then it yeah. dies. It dies in, um, in Silicon avatar. One, yeah. Oh, ransom is in told by captain Mariner. Uh, he, he's called Yeoman Ransom, and he's told to, like, go get some coffee. <laughs> In the original series, we saw Yeoman Rand and other Yeomans uh, serving coffee to Captain Kirk. It doesn't age particularly well. I would love to be a coffee-serving Yeoman, just FYI. I, uh, well, if I, get, if I get a command of my own vessel. ship, I'll keep that in mind. I'd love it. Oh, the, the, <laughs> that would be the perfect job for the me. The last thing I caught was that, that, that final joke at the end when the Cerritos goes into warp. When Boimler says they took everything that I was, as we mentioned, that was from uh, the uh, episode um, Family, where Picard has his big breakdown. And then, sorry, I got a little out of order here. Oh, and, and the motion picture a wormhole effect is replicated on the USS Cerritos. Uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to, to think about this scene and not be like... Uh, no, belay that <laughs> phaser that order. order. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed they didn't do the voice thing. So. <laughs> I do want to bring up our subspace transmissions. We asked people last week what they thought of last week's episode. Anyone remember the name of it? Last the name of last week's yeah. oh it was the We're, weird Shakespeare kinky Shakespeare uh, no, pleasant, pleasant fountains, fountains lie, lie. Yes. yes thank so, you it just took me a moment <laughs> uh, so we we got some responses I, I don't have, have time for too many but I'll just go through these real quick on Twitter uh, fruity <laughs> underscore Spock 
where Spock is. Awesome, but how do you awesome introduce name. people on Twitter? Do you go by the at thing or do you go by like the description above that? Like the ads proper, and then the description is just like how they want to be like. Well, known well this moment. this uh person here, should I call them Spock as gay or should I call them Fruity Spock? There, that's really a a distinction without a difference. Now that I say it out loud, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll just go with um Fruity Spock. Fruity underscore Spock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this person on Twitter says it was so cool, and my favorite part was by lips. Yeah, we get like by Billups last week, yeah. so a lot, of, a lot of people really liked seeing that. Right, right, that um, was very cool. I don't know if he was by or ace or both, but uh, I you could be both, if you so if you see okay. yourself if you see yourself being seen in Star Trek, then I I stand by your right to to see that, and I I'm I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Uh, also, a longtime Text Trek audience member, Alexandra Sandu, said, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the Danube River last year when we saw the runabout. Where is that? And she says, uh, oh, no, I fell asleep instead of being there, representing for the Danube, laughing out loud. It may start in Germany, but it very significantly ends in Romania slash Danube Delta slash the Black Sea. And I believe Alexandra lives in Romania. So she lays right claim on. to the Danube River. Starfleet boy, do not try to give it to Germany. Just that far, I think it's Danube. Danube, way, Danube. I like Danube. Dan- Danube sounds Danube-y. more like, uh, like, yeah, I like I like the way Danube sounds. So it's cool. And also on YouTube last week, opinions no one cares about said. <laughs> Anyone else want to see an episode from the new season of Picard that features an appearance from a live action Captain Boimler? It's about 20 years later. That's more than enough time to get his own ship. Heck, he could be an admiral. Uh, I'm going to answer that first, then I'll ask what y'all think. But I actually, I don't want to see that next season because that will already give away like his story arc for Lower Decks. And I want Mike McMahon to get to tell that story the way he wants to tell it. But I would like someday in the future, you know, years from now. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see like a live action Captain Boimler. Why not? That'd be great. What about y'all? Uh, yeah, that sounds fun. Should he be an admiral or a badmiral? <laughs> no, I think he's. I think he's good. I would be sad if we see Boimler go through all this and then he turns out to be a jerk. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. But I do think. But yeah, I do. I I would like to see all of these guys somehow make it into live action. I'm not sure how that could happen, but uh, I think it, I think uh, Captain Boimler is in his future. I mean, like he's very gung ho on it. He's like very committed to it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind he's gonna be uh, captain. But I also would like to see if she wants it, like mariner find what she's into like she's not in she's clearly not into like the the starfleet thing but she uses starfleet because she's familiar with it and she grew up with it so it'll be interesting to see where mariner goes (laughs) boimler will be captain and mariner will still be mariner will be ensign on that ship yeah she's like she's like harry but on purpose like intentionally like uh, oh my gosh that's a great ending. Uh, we're going way too far ahead, but yeah, that's that's they, actually they quite, need to do a, bring Harry Kim into <laughs> this show somehow and comment. Well, we're on supposed to get Sonia Gomez at some point, but yeah. they apparently, um, I, it's probably okay to talk about this. But the the actress who plays her uh, also played a very memorable character in Total Recall, um, who had right. three boobs. Uh, but uh, she said that uh, she was going to show up in Lower Decks, and apparently, like, people were mad at her because she wasn't supposed to talk about that. So oh, and okay. maybe they cut her from the show. I don't know. Um, we only got two Uh-oh. more episodes, so uh, 
I guess we'll find out in two weeks if if she survived the final cut of season two or not. The other thing that excites me about the season is I I truly have no idea what the ending of the season's going to be about. Like, are they going to like? How are they? Is it going to be another crazy ending like last season, or is it going to be something completely different? Setting up for something big, I think. Yeah, and I next week might tease it, kind of like last week. I'm I'm sorry, not last last year. Uh, the penultimate episode, Crisis Point, was not only really big in and of itself, but it ended with a little bit of a cliffhanger with Boimler learning the secret of Mariner and Freeman's relation. So That's I wouldn't right. be surprised if there's some type of like big hook at the end of next week's episode. Um, maybe like they'll go back to like the Packled ringleader. Maybe something with like the Boimler transporter clone will come into play. I'm gonna be disappointed if like this cool badass Boimler we've gotten if it turns out like he's the copy and not the real Boimler and like we lose him or something. Like please, please, please do not do that. So if we get through the season without <laughs> that happening, I will be uh, I I will be jumping with joy. I think this is our Bradward Boimler. <laughs> I predict that there will be some sort of showdown or competition between the two Boimlers uh, at the end of the season. So, well, two Boimlers enter, one Boimler wins. Uh, yeah. Two Boimlers and a microphone. That's that's going to be it. Uh, we're way over time, uh, so we're going to have to shut down the the show. But uh, thank you, everyone, for shut it down for joining us live. <laughs> and we will, of course, be back next week, seven thirty p.m. Central on Friday to discuss uh, next week's episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. We'll also be covering Lower Decks finale the week after that. And then uh, we're going to have a special guest. I don't know if he's still hanging out in the chat, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to get uh, Aaron Harvey, a.k.a. Geek Filter, back on the show. And uh, then after that, we'll be going into Prodigy and Discovery. So uh, lots to check out and, and catch us on YouTube, or you can listen to the podcast late Sunday nights or early Monday morning. Those are available following each live show we do on Fridays. And until next time, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.